This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. AMD makes epic launch. And Lenovo and IBM news from ISC. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360, and that's Michael Feldman, editor of Top500.org. Michael, we've wrapped up ISC, but there's still a lot of news we're trying to catch up on. And let's start with AMD, which actually had a pretty big launch. We'll call it an Epic launch, that's EPYC, their new server chip, but a lot of that activity was actually in Austin, not so much in Germany, but let's start with talking about the chip itself. Yeah, the chip itself, they've uh, they've been talking about now for a year. Um, we know most of the details, so we sort of knew that it was going to have uh, up to 32 cores, which it does. They've come out with uh, some of those products, and the top end has 32 cores. We knew it had eight channels of... Uh, memory uh memory controllers in it and we knew it had 128 pci lanes in it and those those are all big numbers 32 cores eight channels of memory 128 pcie lanes that basically outdoes uh, sort of anything on the market as of today um and it's certainly in the memory channel arena and the pci area that's gonna outdo i think anything coming up uh in the next in the next six months uh specifically Skylake. Yeah, in truth, we heard a lot of people asking about this AMD chip while we were at ISC, and we've seen AMD making a bit of a comeback in our surveys of the HPC community. Now, our our newest site census is currently in the field, and it'll be a little early to talk about the Epic chips coming into the market, but I think a lot of people are looking for alternatives to x86 out in the market, and this is a strong one from a compute standpoint. Yeah, I mean, this is their revamped, uh, their revamped chip. It basically takes over the the Opteron line. That's the, it's the new Epic line. It's their Zen architecture, micro architecture. Their latest, uh, their latest architecture that they've already put into some of the PC chips. And this is the server chip, and it's coming in one and two socket uh, versions. So they're actually now making a case for one socket systems because it has so much memory support and PCIe support. Uh, in in a lot of cases, there's uh, different users out there who don't need that second socket anymore. When you have something like you know up to 32 cores on a die, and all the basically all the memory you you probably would put in a two socket system, and all the devices you could attach on a two socket system with all that PCIe, uh, AMD is thinking that. Uh, the one socket version might be popular in a lot of different cases. Well, and that really intrigues me because for a lot of, uh, for really the whole HPC industry coming out of the Beowulf era, the two socket system was considered a standard. But you make the right. point that there's a lot of memory and and these connections coming off of the chip. And as we've moved into this multi-core era, introducing a new level of parallelism on the socket for a lot of HPC codes, algorithms, it may make more sense to reduce essentially how many branches you have in that tree of parallelism and go to a single socket chip. And, you know, really the parallelism comes when you go onto the socket and then branch out into the number of cores. It might make it a little easier at the MPI level, don't you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, up front, you're going to save the money on the server itself since you don't need all this other infrastructure for that, that extra socket. So they become significantly cheaper servers if you just have one processor there and don't have to worry about crosstalk and all this stuff. And for this, like you were saying, like this particular design, you can get up to two terabytes of memory with this. And that's a pretty pretty large amount of memory for a server and even for a two socket server. Um, so you can do that in one socket and avoid all the expense and complications of, uh, of the, the cross crosstalk in a dual socket setup. Now, you know, my concerns about AMD have not been about the chip and let's talk about this launch for a minute, because I think a lot of what a lot of people have been concerned about me included is AMD's commitment to high performance computing and supercomputing. Now we're just coming off of ISC. AMD was certainly there, but most notably this launch was, was not there. AMD was at ISC talking about deep learning and artificial right. intelligence, but Epic was like not part of the conversation there, was it? It wasn't. I mean, you you went to the booth and there was nobody there from the server group. They all stayed behind in Austin. Uh, there were people, like you said, there were people talking about the new uh, Radeon Instinct or the latest Radeon Instinct chips, which are targeted for deep learning. But they sort of missed this opportunity to sort of talk to this community right off the bat. I mean, Intel was fairly quiet during during uh, ISC as far as new announcements and, and, and NVIDIA as well. They could have sort of stole some of the show here. And gotten people used to this, the idea of uh, an AMD comeback on the server side. And it, it's, it's a story they're going to need to tell at some point in some, in some way because it's not um, – the, the way they have to position this is a little bit subtle in the HPC space. It's probably not going to be the top flops chip on the market, but it's got all these other advantages – uh, in in the memory support and in the PCIe support and and certainly probably it'll be a, a value uh, message as well. They're probably going to be cheaper than corresponding uh, Xeon uh, Skylake coming up, at least in the near term. So they they've got a story to tell here, and it's an interesting one. I think um, one that a lot of HPC users would be interested in, but it's it's something that needs to be done. And uh, you know we know Skylake's going to come out. Uh, probably next month, officially launched. And by the time SC rolls around, you know, we should have some nice sort of head-to-head -head comparisons and maybe some user stories. And I think AMD needs to come to SC in November and really talk up their their ambitions for the high-performance computing space. Yeah, and that's an area where I totally agree with you because here we were talking about HPC and supercomputing all week with the international supercomputing community, and I heard about Skylake more than I heard about Epic, and this whole right. launch was going on. So I agree it was a missed opportunity because in as much as we've got these nice data sheet items, I would like to hear people talking about uh, the software ecosystem around this and show me the commitment to the HPC space because I do think this processor has a lot of potential. Yeah, it does. And they've signed up a lot of OEMs. Um, and I don't think they were talking about it that much at the conference either. Um, I, I think they're going to take their lead from AMD in a certain sense. But, you know, this is all very young. They, they've just launched this. and It's, it's got to regain the traction in the market. It, but uh, AMD has to sort of be pushing this up the hill as well. So it's, uh, I think it's going to add some choice into the HPC market, maybe for the first time in many years as far as x86 goes, 
Um, but we're going to have to see how it plays out. And uh, since these are basically being launched at the same time, uh, they're going to go head to head. Unfortunately, um, AMD basically compared their chips in their in their launch event to the older Broadwell chips, and that's not going to be the comparison that most people are going to uh, consider the, these these new ones against. Because, like we said, Skylake is going to be out in July, and they're going to hit the market basically simultaneously. Well, let's go to some other announcements that did take place at ISC on the platform side, where we had a lot of platform news, some of which we already talked about in a previous podcast. But let's go to Lenovo, which is trying to show a big commitment to the HPC space. They had a pretty significant rebranding to try to consolidate a lot of the brands that they inherited on the x86 side, or not inherited, purchased from IBM. They've got two new brands that they They've officially launched now. One is the Think System brand, which is their traditional hardware business for server storage, networking, and their future-defined data center. And the other is their Think Agile brand, which is for the software-defined data center. That's going to be a little more on the enterprise side. But for HPC, this Think System brand that integrates all of these previous brands they've had with System X, IDataplex, NextScale, ThinkServer, Blade. Center, and they're introducing a bunch of new platforms there. Um, what they're calling the SD530 is their highest density half U, and they're targeting a lot of that for HPC, but they're also getting a lot of volume out of what they're calling the SR630, which is a 1U server that does uh, still high density, but adds a lot more memory. Then adding into that, their SR650 is a 2U server that adds uh, GPU and a lot of storage. There's an SR950, which is a 4U system, which is for really big memory and storage. And then there's a, there, there, of course, there's storage products around uh, the Spectrum scale storage is is under the Lenovo brand of, of DSS. They're also introducing a lot of professional services around HPC and some uh, AI and HPC innovation centers around the world that are going to be opening later this year. So there's a lot going on there, and they're also talking of growth in the top 500. Yeah, they actually they had two uh, two systems that plays really well in the top 500. They've got the new Mer Mernon. Ostrom 4 system out at the Barcelona Supercomputing Center. That that came in at number 13. That's the a Lenovo a Xeon uh, type platform. That's actually a Skylake uh, uh, system out there. It's one of the, I think, one of three Skylake systems that uh, came into the top 500 even before the official launch. Uh, it comes in at about 10 petaflops uh, peak. And it came in at 13. That's the Marinostrum system. Is actually, a very interesting system. The Lenovo, the, the Lenovo part, the the Xeon part is the biggest piece of it. But they're also going to add uh, many other architectures, subclusters into that system as as it goes along in in phases. They're going to have an ARM subcluster and a, I think a power power subcluster, uh, as well as uh, some NVIDIA and, and Xeon fives in there as well. So it's going to be quite the diverse. Uh, <laughs> the most diverse system, actually, I think, on the on the top of the list here. And I wrote about a little bit of top 500. We sort of spec that out, but very interesting system. And then right below it at number 14 is the Marconi system that's going into Cineca in Italy. Um, that's actually a Xeon 5 system, but also built by Lenovo and uh, 
relatively new. It's uh, again, it's a top 20 system and Lenovo actually did very well on the top 500 list. They had something like 90, uh, 92 systems that either they were exclusively uh, the OEM for, or they partnered with, with somebody else on. So they had the second most, uh, our biggest fit footprint from a vendor point of view behind uh, behind HPE, which had the most. So yeah, they were they were very active at the uh, at the supercomputing level, and certainly, like you said, and the conference itself. Yeah, it's interesting looking at Lenovo because out of all of the OEMs right now, they're the one that's probably stayed the most closely tied with these uh, Intel technologies. So when you're looking for the Skylake systems, the Xeon 5s, the OmniPath, uh, Lenovo really is staking a claim to uh, try to build those out. Yeah, uh, they've dabbled in, in these other architectures as well, including ARM. But yeah, they're very strong on, on the Intel side, and they've and most of their systems certainly at the at the on the top of the list or the top 500 list are are Xeon or Xeon Five systems. Let's clean up one other announcement from the show that I thought was kind of a fun one. IBM has an announcement that they're doing a collaboration between the IBM Systems Group, the weather company, which is now part of IBM. You remember that acquisition, that IBM's getting access to a lot of data uh, on the from the weather side, plus NCAR, which is the National Center for Atmospheric Research. They're doing a collaboration to do what they're calling storm scale forecasting, which is an ultra-fine-grained forecasting at a global level, trying to forecast globally at the storm level, looking at things like thunderstorms and flash floods to see how well they can forecast that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of interesting work. It's very much on the application side, although some of it is actually building these models for IBM's own hardware, in this case, the uh, the Power 9 system. So they're going to build these sort of advanced models like you were talking about. They're also going to squeeze in sort of the the ports to their systems that they're seeing coming up and they're talking about you know basically what we're going to see going into the coral systems they didn't talk specifically about the gpus in that system but they're talking about the power nines uh and and porting those codes over to to that sort of advanced architecture as well Right. Power 9 is going to be a big part of this, of course, and we're watching uh, where they are with power and open power in the market right now, whether they start to gain share in the HPC market, whether any other vendor other than IBM is going to come to market with uh, solutions based on power chips. I mentioned our site census survey is out in the field right now, so we're going to look to see how that's coming in. But from the open power strategy side now, they're they're really trying to shift their focus to talk more about software and solutions right now as, as part of the overall HPC market. Yeah, and just, just as a note, I've heard just uh, from different uh, sources that the Power9 chip is actually going to be a, a big advancement. I mean, a bigger advancement than from Power 7 to Power 8. So I'm not sure how they're going to position this and launch it, but it's it's going to be a major uh, major product launch in, in some sense for IBM because it, it is uh, a big jump from the Power 8 systems that we're, we're familiar with today. All right, Michael. Well, thanks for uh, wrapping up another bunch of stories. Thanks especially to the ISC conference. I know we're going to have more news that came out during the show that we're going to continue to chase in future episodes, but we had a great time in Frankfurt. Yeah, it was a great show. I loved it. And it, it 
went off without a hitch and there were tons of people there. It was, I think it was a record show for it. For they did. They set another attendance record and congratulations very much to the ISC events committee for another fantastic show. Thanks a lot for another podcast, Michael, and thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.